Hey, welcome to the show today. I'm pleased that you're able to listen in. Now, each of us have a wee bias here and there, and we come with built-in tilts towards some aspects of investing over others. We therefore have blind spots. So how about this for a question? How does a small implementation of a new technology in a biotech firm change that business's fundamentals and ultimately affect the share price? Or what about this type of question? How does the current European conflict greatly increase the volatility of Fonterra shares here in New Zealand? Now, depending on who you are, you're naturally going to find yourself drawn to one of those two theoretical questions. You may enjoy zooming in and analyzing company fundamentals, or you may prefer to zoom way out and factor in the big picture. So understandably, value investors' last drug of choice, one notch up from Bitcoin, could be gold. Today, no matter who you are and what you're prone to believe, I'd love it if you could consciously zoom out because in a way, this could be your blind spot or at the very least, it could be something that you've never considered before. You won't see the benefit looking at gold really close up though. It can be pretty pretty, but no, you're gonna see that benefit when you look up way up and you zoom out. Precious metals, when you zoom out far enough, have been present for centuries through feasts and famines, peacetime and in times of crisis. Understandably then, when the world starts to recalibrate their expectations of what comes next, investors seek comfort in gold. Now, going through this episode myself again recently, in the back of my mind, I couldn't stop thinking about where some investors may go right now, especially some of the newer ones, if things get really scary out there. Not like it will get scary, of course, but theoretically, if it did. Bitcoin is something to consider, right? But it's somewhere in between risk and a safe haven asset. And it's kind of hard to say where it is in that progression right now. And I know that gold has always been there as a safe haven, but that was for yesterday, right? And today it just feels so different than the past. Does it really have a place today when today is so different? Today, everyday investors are the meat in the sandwich between a slice of the woke neo-communist barley bread of the left and a slice of mixed nut from the conspiratorial far right. Increasingly, all the middle ground's been taken up by extremists. With investing, it's no different. If you're into this topic or you think you may find it interesting, just a word to the wise. Be ready to be labeled a doomsdayer, a warmonger, or worse, a libertarian. Now, it's okay to imagine a world where your Amazon shares are up a billion percent and shareholders morph into the consumer, the product, the lender, and the government all in one. But just don't back the team that feels there's a growing chance things could snap back swiftly to the average in more ways than one. So yes, you may feel a little bit silly when you invest in gold, but with this asset again, you don't have to be an extremist to hold a contrarian view. I suspect I might be in a small crowd who think this, but I'm actually of the view that to be a balanced person, you should be holding contrarian views. Just make sure a few of them aren't at least positively correlated. Now, in this episode of the NZ Everyday Investor, is investing in gold just for slipper-wearing, pot-smoking, white Russian-drinking, old white dudes to invest in? Or is this ancient and alternative form of money worth a second look for everyday investors? I'm going to suggest here it absolutely is. But again, don't get carried away, as some are prone to doing in this space. 
The world where gold is going to be a great investment isn't exactly the type of world anyone would really want to be living in. Now, for full disclosure, professionally and personally, I believe that a small allocation to precious metals and digital assets makes sense from the perspective that it may increase overall returns in a portfolio and decrease risk at the same time. But investing in gold is not perfect, and this is what I mean. Consider the extraction methods and the environmental harm that comes along with gold mining. You may need to get comfortable with the question of whether or not investing in gold is consistent with an ethical investing mandate. What about this? Most investments should put money in your back pocket and actually produce something, right? Pretty sure I read that somewhere. Well, with gold, there's no dividend and there's no real output either. So is gold really a good investment? Still, don't ignore these questions, but do move on after you get your answers. Because if gold is a wise move during times of inflation and geopolitical risks, well, now, surely, it's the time for gold to shine, right? We shall see. Don't consider that a recommendation and don't consider this financial advice. Now, one last thing before we start. Chris Howard is my guest from a company called MyGold. Now, I've asked MyGold to help spice this episode up a little bit and offer something up to our audience. Have a listen to this one right to the end, and I'll share a few details on how it all works. But until then, let's get started. Welcome to the latest edition of the NZ Everyday Investor podcast. In this podcast, I cover a wide range of topics ranging from property investment, investing in managed funds and KiwiSaver, precious metals and digital assets like Bitcoin. Why do I do it? Because I love learning and helping everyday Kiwis build new wealth for the new world that we're heading into. I'm Darcy Angaro, your host and qualified financial advisor. My goal is to get self-directed DIY investors thinking about all the tools available to build wealth. While I hope this will assist you in making more informed financial decisions, please do keep in mind that nothing you hear today is considered financial advice. Investments or strategies discussed may not be suitable for everyone, so be sure to do your own research before acting on anything discussed today. Further information on today's show can be found by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player. Here you'll find some show notes which will contain all relevant links relating to today's topic. Hope you enjoy the show. Chris Howard is my guest today. Chris, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Darcy. Fantastic. You work currently with a company called MyGold, possibly one of New Zealand's most trusted gold dealers in New Zealand. That much I know. I've used you guys myself. Tell me a little bit about your background and what led up to you taking a bit of an interest into the gold space. Absolutely. My background is actually in consumer lifestyle, so it's nothing to do with precious metals. And that's what I did for a couple of decades before I even experienced precious metals. And by that, I mean watches, jewelry, luxury at the top end. If I had one of those lucky, if you like, switches into a new industry uh, something like eight years ago. I was approached about a job at the UK Royal Mint to head up their precious metal business. And this at the time was a fledgling business. It was a smallish business and they needed somebody to really kickstart and drive growth through there. So you have the mints, you have the UK mint, the Canadian, the American mint. Essentially, they're making coins and they're making coins for us, for our pockets to, to use right, and like spend normal, it around the shops. And to use currency that. and stuff like but, that. But, you know, yeah. we don't have to be a rocket scientist to see that we don't use coins anymore. So how do these organizations keep going? So I came into the business to create a new business within the business around precious metals. When I joined, somebody said to me, Chris, once you get into this, you'll be sucked in, you'll love it. And I was like, okay, fine. I don't know anything about this, but let's see. And absolutely, it is a fascinating industry. 
And I'm really delighted sort of eight years on, I'm still working in that industry. And what is it about the industry like that? Do you think it's ignored or do you think that it's a certain type of person that gravitates towards it? Yes, yeah, great question. And that's something that I saw immediately that I came into the industry because sometimes you don't see the wood for the trees when you're in the industry for decades. And I saw, frankly, the bullion, especially the bullion pressure metal investment business is made up of guys in their 50s who are pale, stale and male. That is the profile and it's the profile the world over. But I was thinking, well, what if, what if we can find these non-customers, these customers who are not currently buying precious metals, millennials, what about women? What about others that are not that profile of that 50-year-old? So I took that and actually worked on trying to find that space with really great success. That was back in the Royal Mint. So I still think firmly that there's a lot of mileage to go because a lot of people are still operating in this old world, precious metal world. Interesting. And so a little bit of that, maybe some reinvention is required from the industry, from the inside out. And then some of it is maybe, especially newer investors in particular, or those that have been kind of on the sidelines of investing, maybe they need to give a fresh look into this direction, right? Yeah, I agree. So, you know, there's a lot of interest around other investment options, the non-traditional at the moment, you know, um, the NFTs at the moment, which are mm. a big topic at the moment. You've got crypto, which has been going on for a number of years, and you've got a, a whole tranche of different areas that, that people are able to invest in, in a very different way from before. How does gold and silver, how does that fit into this new way of investing? Mm. And I believe there is a way because it's a non-conventional, still gold and silver might be from an old school conventional investment vehicle, but I think it still has strong synergies with some of these newer technologies and newer ways of, of investing, mm -hmm. um, because it takes away from the established rules, mm. which are investing through governments and, and, and yeah. institutions and everything. And, and maybe we can kind of come back to that towards the end, and maybe we, what we could do is, let's talk about the physical first, mm -hmm. then the financialized, mm -hmm. and maybe we could talk about the what's next maybe the digitized mm -hmm. so if an investor wanted to buy physical silver and gold right now it's not like they can go to their bank necessarily but how would one buy physical precious metals in new zealand my going back to my earlier story and i arrived in new zealand last june in june 2021 and i Started working with a with an organisation I'd, I'd I'd already knew my gold who are based here and I work as a non exec an advisor with them and they adopt exactly the same model as one would do around the world and it's very simple we got a lot of customers who phone up my gold and say I don't know anything about I know nothing about investing in precious metals where do I begin and where do I start and the most important thing for me is to reiterate that we are selling physical allocated gold it is physical. There's not paper. We are selling physical bars and coins to consumers. The process is actually very simple. Once you take away the mysticism, the mystery of like, well, is it only real, is it only millionaires who invest in precious metal? No, it's not. It's all about um, democratizing gold, making gold and silver available to everyone rather than a few. It might sound like a cliche phrase, but if that's an objective, I believe that. And so we will take away that mystery from people and endless. I, I cannot believe the number of people who need educating in a good way. 
Mm. Because they're saying, I'm interested in precious metal, but I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. It's pretty easy. Yeah. You will get physical gold in return or silver in return for da -da -da -da, spend it, you know, paying. And once you go through some of the things that they may be concerned about, whether it's the spot rate, the, the amount that we, we sell at and we buy back, et cetera, then it's almost like the light bulb goes on and they go, okay, great. Mm. It's not so difficult. It is for me too. Mm. And I can also buy into this. And the revenue model is basically just a small margin on top of the spot price that you mentioned before. And that spot price is whatever the market price is. Exactly. Then there might be a little margin on top of that, depending on the type of product that you're buying, whether it's a bar or a coin or a limited edition. Something. Absolutely. So limited edition is slightly different from that as a collectible, but for bullion investment products, there's the spot rate, which moves. And I always say to people, just imagine if you're new to this, it's like a pendulum that moves all the time and you've got to stop that. So you've got to stop the pendulum moving. So when you're buying from my gold or you're buying from other people, we've got to stop that pendulum and fix that price. And the price that somebody will pay is effectively a, a notch above the spot price hmm. because the gold silver's got to be dug out of the ground. It's got to be refined. It's got to be made into a bar and coin. All of those things cost money. So that is beyond the spot rate. Hmm. And it's not a it's not a huge amount of money in the light of, you know, it's, it's not like as if you're going into a shop down in the CBD and buying a pair of jeans where you'd be paying hmm. a large markup. And there's a few providers in New Zealand that are gold dealers, and they might be buying from some of the same mints or producers offshore and competitive pressures will keep that margin at a certain level anyway, right? Absolutely. Like any market, there, uh, we'll always look at competitors. We want to remain competitive in the marketplace and our competitors do as well. Mm. So it's not as if we'll run off with, with the price, but all of these suppliers, if you say there's manufacturers around the world, mm. they manufacture coins and bars in different forms and different types. And this question is often asked to me is why do all the prices vary when silver and gold are the same price? Mm. And it's something that, that is often not understood is that they are effectively manufacturers. So the manufacturing cost in Perth or Switzerland or the UK or Ottawa in Canada are all going to vary slightly. And therefore, the, the, the coin or the bar that you get in the end is going to be a slightly different price. Right. OK. Kind of makes all. sense. That's like, yeah. Now, Chris, I've got my own reasons and my own perspectives on why investing in silver and gold, I think, has its place. But I, I'd be keen to know and understand from your perspective, especially how you would answer the question of somebody that comes to you and says, hey, why should I invest in silver and gold? What would you say to them? It's a great question, because actually, when I think about all the, the, the phone calls we get from interested investors, they all have different trigger points. And, you know, what I always say, if I've done sales training in the past, find the reason their problem and their reason to buy. So on the one hand, we have people who are seriously concerned about what is going on in the government. And that might be in New Zealand at a local level. They just don't like what's happening. They feel uncomfortable with what's happening with digital currency and it's moving towards that. Then you move to another notch and you have people who are concerned about interest rates. They're concerned about inflation. That is their driver. Then you move to another type of person who their big worry today is what's going on in the world. We're recording this as Ukraine and Russia, you know, are on the verge of war. And absolutely, that drives the price of gold and silver to less at the moment, but, but gold. And people are really concerned about that and see that as not only hedging their investment portfolio, but it's also as an opportunity to actually make some money as well. Then you have 
the other extreme, going further and moving the needle across, you have the uh, zombie apocalypse type scenario, which absolutely there are people out there. There are people all over the world who are like that. Those are the customers and those are what drives them to come. And in times of risk, that's where the money goes as well. Yeah. Even though it might just be a hunk of metal and it does diddly squat, mm. if there's enough people that believe it's important in times of crisis, then it's a great diversifier because it might zig when others zag and therefore getting some of that action might enhance your returns or at least stop you from losing as much. Yeah. Let's talk briefly about inflation. What's the reason why gold might appear to be going up in value during times of inflation? Mm, it's interesting. I think it's all linked to interest rates as well, interest rate rises. And there's a lot of research around this. People will say that gold tends not to move much when interest rates go up. But actually, when you do the research, it tends to be when there are prolonged hikes in interest rates. Historically, and I'd, I'd you know, ask your, your, your listeners to actually look at historical sort of side of it. In 2015, the US Fed increased interest rates by something like five, six, seven times. Mm. And gold didn't move that much. But then in the medium term, it, it really grew and it really shot up. That actually happened again. I think it was 2004, I think it was Goldspan. Again, that absolutely happened. Those, those clicks that went up, it wasn't just a 25 bips sort of uh, increase in the interest rate. It was prolonged over a period of time. So that's where I see, for example, now, uh, where we're looking in New Zealand, but also globally as well. You know, yesterday, interest rates went up another 25 basis points. And they've already said it's going to go up considerably over the next year. We know that. So historically, we'd see that as being where gold has performed, not specifically at the front end, but as the notch keeps turned on as far as interest rate rises, that's where it's at. I mean, it's, it is traditionally been seen as that. And inflation is something we haven't seen sort of 30 years or so. So it's completely new. I say to look at the historical side and um, to look at what happened in 2015 and 2004 in the US mm. and, and how gold increased as a result of, of those notch-ups in, in interest rates. Right. And it might be directly or even indirectly connected to the notch-up on interest rates because of the underlying inflation. Exactly. Because you're doing that as a counterbalance sure. in order to vote for inflation. That's right. So it's, it's a relativity piece, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's like the value of the dollars are going down mm -hmm. relative to gold rather than mm -hmm. gold is being appreciated. But at the same time, going back to the first reason, the investment thesis, if enough investors feel like the price of gold goes up when things get scary with inflation, mm -hmm. then it might go up as a result. Mm. So we've covered the investment thesis, a little bit of the insurance piece, you know, inflation, interest rates. Now going up the dial, even further to the extreme, zombie apocalypse down. So let's say there is some major catastrophic worldwide event and the entire financial system just craps itself. What makes gold and silver unique in that situation? And why would everyday investors want to have an allocation in the context of that? Yeah, no, I think this zombie apocalypse is certainly in people's minds. And as I said earlier, some of our customers are very much in that space. And where it comes down to is the, is the tangibility of silver and gold. Now, you know, that could be in as far as even bartering or trading and using silver. And that's why we sell so many silver coins, because people see that as a, as a, as a, a way of being able to trade in the event of something going disastrously wrong, as you would say, whether it does or not, God forbid. But that is very much in people's minds. And, and silver definitely is driving that because an ounce of silver at $42, it's a tangible, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a piece of silver, piece of metal that can actually be traded. Gold as well, 
but obviously in larger larger amounts. So because it's been one of those metals, or both of them have been metals, gold especially don't corrode, they don't age, and fully tradable, and have been known to be tradable globally. People kind of recognize it. Yeah. I guess there's that whole fungibility. People are, are aware of that word fungible sure, now when sure. it comes to non-fungible tokens, but gold is fungible, silver is fungible, more or less, if you have gold is exactly the same as my gold, mm -hmm. uh, pardon the pun. But that's kind of like how it works, right? And that's why it's an accepted medium of exchange, mm -hmm. a store of value. From that network effect point of view, like, and I think about this a lot with Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies, largely the value, some of it seems to come from how big the community is that agree that it's valuable. Is there a big enough network who already acknowledge that gold and silver is an alternative form of money so that during this zombie apocalypse that they would actually come out okay? Or would it be the case that only maybe, I don't know, 100 or 200 people have gold and silver coins, but the rest of people while they're trading with their lambs and sacks of rice? I can't answer the question directly, but all I will say is I'm surprised by the number of people who bring the subject up in one way or another. Right. And it's conversations they've had with friends. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the conversation's out there. And that could be anyone from little old lady who's got some money tucked away in her pension or whatever, all the way through to somebody who's ready to take to the hills come the revolution, which, which is sort of the other extreme, if you like. Mm -hmm. But there is a general concern and a general question, a genuine question around the fungibility, the, the way that my gold and silver can be fully transferable. Mm. and used for other things, as you said. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Let's go talk about a derivative of physical gold, which is what I would term as paper gold. This is where you might buy units in an exchange traded fund. Buying units in this fund is designed to mimic the effects of price appreciation on gold. Can you talk to me? And I know you've got a little bit of background on this one, so I'd be keen to pick your brains on this. Like, how, how does it actually work? If I was to go onto my shares, or hatch platform and buy hundred dollars worth of GLD. Mm -hmm. what, what's actually happening there? People may have heard or they may not have heard that it's often talked about this paper gold and it's gold that exists on paper, but it's questionable as to whether it exists physically somewhere. So some of these ETFs, they are traded without having an anchor in the form of gold in a vault somewhere. Others actually do have that, that anchor that is actually there, which reflects the value of the assets under management within the fund. So what you're saying is that some of the funds, it might be all in a big pot, hopefully. It's all there. But other funds might have allocated or determined bars of gold connected. Exactly. There. So unallocated, it doesn't mean it's never going to exist, but it may have been leased out and allocated somewhere else. Okay. At the Royal Mint, we launched an ETF. And that was very much founded in the, the, the principle was that we wanted to have the gold that was under management in the vault at the Royal Mint. So if there was a billion dollars or two billion or three billion, that gold was physically in the vault. And that in theory, an investor could trade it back out for physical and have it for bars and coins. That didn't happen very often and it doesn't happen. It still exists and the funds particularly was quite successful. Now, there are other funds out there where the gold screen is unallocated and it's not sitting physically there. Now, I'm not talking about funds, but there are some horror stories in the industry that have gone on for the last sort of happened over the last few years. So some years ago, Deutsche Bank wanted to almost like repatriate gold that they had in New York. That gold had then actually was not physically there. 
it had been leased out not just once but several times and beyond so it was no longer allocated so when deutsche bank wanted to reclaim that gold physical gold to actually ship it back to frankfurt it wasn't there now it doesn't mean it couldn't be they couldn't find it but it, they had to trail it all the way back and it took several months to actually repatriate that gold interesting that creates doubt and people going well actually is that gold really where it is and I think it, you know, listeners probably would do well to to Google this if, yeah. if they're considering investing in any of these ETFs. Do your own due diligence and you know put in JP Morgan, Deutsche Bank, gold, silver. Just see what you find. Come to your own conclusions. But let me ask you this slightly edgy or slightly dangerous question here, Chris. Is it possible because of this leasing out? Is it possible that it, it exists that there might be more paper gold than exists physical gold for those types of funds? That's definitely a question that's been asked many times. Good answer. I don't have the answer, but yeah, it would it would it would seem that there's a lot of paperwork between different transactions to raise that sort of question. Mm. And therein lies a a little bit of suspicion, but also a hint for a huge opportunity potentially with investing in physical gold because you're outside of any potential monkey business that could ever occur there right yeah. not not to suggest that because i personally have got exposure in gold etf so i'm, I'm not saying hey don't do it because i do it myself but going back to that spectrum where it's investment insurance and then zombie apocalypse town you know depending on what the use case is and what the thesis is for investing in physical precious metals or precious metals and full stop you may wish to consider what forms of gold you partake in but I'd like to kind of, um, you, you were telling me an interesting story before how these funds can sometimes work where people could actually trade their certificates for the physical or come and just visit their gold. Do you want to just talk to me about how that works? Yeah, it's, it's, it's always interested me. It's like with a smile on my face, actually, that people want, they want to know where their gold is and they want to physically know. Case in point, a couple of weeks ago, customer at my gold wanted to see their gold. They wanted to see it. They wanted to actually see it, although it was stored with us. Absolutely no problem. In fact, you know, I know there are various organizations around the world and other dealers who are larger organizations who have what is called a stroking room. <clears throat> okay. I sound one of those, <laughs> one of those you know. Yeah. Um, it's called a stroking room. And it's basically the customer to come in, sit on a sofa with a coffee table, maybe a cigar and a cognac, and to actually hold and feel and touch their gold. It's I haven't been to a stroking room for ages, but I'm guessing there's what magazines. I, I don't know. But like, I, you're talking about leather couches. And, exactly. And it is. Okay. It's like a cigar room or whatever. <laughs> and it's whatever it wants to do yeah. to actually hold your gold. Right. That's cool. Okay. And that's fine. And they exist. And there are several. Of, I've been to a couple of them. And it's what extremely wealthy people who hold gold, they want to go and just to, to feel that, I mean, it's, yeah. it, it feels like something out of a James Bond film with Blofeld and his white cat, yeah. but yeah. that is what happens. But yeah. it's going back seriously though, what is the lesson learned? So it's the, so what is that people feel really far more comfortable when they physically have uh, gold and the number of people who want to take possession of gold, they want to know where it is. And I think that whole area that we've discussed around paper money and this sort of like, it's like, does it really exist? It's easy to make fun of that, but one of the things that attracts investors to property is its tangibility. Hmm. You can you can see it. You can actually stroke the bricks, sure, or the carpet, or just look at the walls. I don't know whatever you're into, right? Whatever fetish you want to go down, but 
there is that tangibility piece. Whereas I know that some people don't get that excited about buying units in a managed fund. However, they will really enjoy buying shares in Fonterra or A2 or Air New Zealand because they can actually see and make the connection. Whereas when it's a fund and it just goes into a big bucket and it's spread everywhere, some people understand that at a certain level and they get that, that's totally fine. Other people, they're turned off by that. It just, all just mm -hmm. depends on what layer of tangibility actually drives you as an investor. And that's what that's what's quite unique about this gold space, I think. Yeah, and it's one step further than that because Frontera, whatever, you invest in Frontera rather than a fund in, I don't know, a whole range of different things, 50 different corporations. Gold goes one step further. You actually hold it. Okay, now what, what I want to do now, Chris, is just take you to a different place. And, and this is kind of tapping into a conversation that we had before we hit record again. And I've been thinking a lot over the last couple of years just around how investing is changing what we're investing in is changing mm -hmm. how we invest in it is also changing and without getting into the debate of is bitcoin really the the new gold and should investors drop gold and go to bitcoin or vice versa i think there's absolutely a case for both but one of the problems that bitcoin has solved in a sense is the transmittability you can send it overseas really easy and i know there's ways that you can kind of get around that but with gold but talk to me about what this could look like if there was a future version of investing in gold yeah it's an area that i'm really interests me i don't really have the answers at the moment it attracts me in the way that trying to find different ways within this industry away from the traditional male stale and pale sort of traditional way mm -hmm. i think there's some really great interesting stuff that's happening at the moment around nfts the metaverse and how does gold how is gold going to fit into that? Because the metaverse is going to happen. And I think it'll happen quicker than we all think. Personally, I'd like to be looking at how that fits into this new future world. It mm. sort of haven't quite sort of squared the coin, squared the circle yet, but, but there is definitely something out there. And I think that is a really interesting area. Mm. And I think, if anything, gold is going to move out that way. I was involved in a project um, several years ago at the Royal Mint on digitalizing gold into a digital currency. This was in the days, this was 2014, 15, the Royal Mint RMG, it was called, the project that we had. The principle, the key principle, it was allocated gold sitting in a vault. It goes back to the ETF principle. Correct. That's a great picture, I think, of what a non-fungible token in the gold space could look like. It's just the next level of, a, of an allocated exchange-traded fund. Because you could have a non-fungible token, which points to a specific gold bar in a vault somewhere. And maybe there's a an oracle in real time that's always confirming that it's in existence, hasn't mm -hmm. been touched. And that gives the holder of that non-fungible token exclusive ownership rights, which is kind of part of my overall suspicion. That every physical item soon will exist in the digital and the physical realm. So why not gold? And it just means that, yep, you've got an investment vehicle in the metaverse, but you also have a stroking room in the metaverse. Why not? Why not? It's your avatar. You go in both your avatar and you sit on the sofa. And it'll be recognizable as gold. You've got a gold bar there. Um, you've got your digital JPEG of a tree. But my challenge at the moment, just in my head, is how do we link that back to physical in some form? Because I do believe that is key. I agree all of that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's key to the actually link that piece. back in some way from a custody right. piece. Or I, have to, I don't have a solution. And that's fine nowadays, right? Yeah. Because it's like you have the problem, not the solution. Yeah. But 
before it was like, hey, we need new tools to build this. Now we have new tools that are pointing to new solutions. And I can already see that there's probably a trail of breadcrumbs here is to figure out how to actually do that. Mm. And that's early stages. And that's talking to somebody who doesn't really know that much about it. But there's definitely a way forward, I think, here. And it's fascinating because the reason why, personally, I have some exposure to gold using exchange-traded funds is because it's easy. And I can benefit from holding gold. And it's really easy for me to rebalance my portfolio using those instruments. But it doesn't scratch the itch that I have around gold in some of the other areas. Mm. And so that's why I have the physical now you merge those two things together, put it on acid, and that's non-fungible tokens. Sure. You know, watch this space. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Now, if people want to hook into and get more gold, physical gold content, or they want to learn a little bit more about it before they actually take the plunge and give you guys a call, what, what could you point people to in terms of resources? Just pick up the phone. We're not, we're not going to hard sell. We're just going to tell you about the industry. We're going to tell you about how best to invest. And that's the best way of doing it because you bring along people with you. And I think it's a big piece. You're doing it. We're doing it now with this podcast around education. One thing I've seen in, in, in New Zealand, and it's just like telling people how, how are the opportunity within precious metals, especially younger investors. And when I say younger, I just mean anybody younger than me, really. Yeah, millennials <laughs> as well. Millennials just like they might be making a bunch of money on crypto or whatever, but I'm surprised, you know, and actually pleasantly surprised. You know, the number who, who are coming out of crypto and putting it into, into physical gold. It's the same thing that you're trying to do. It's just a different medium. Yep, sure, it's analog and it might feel old-fashioned, but hey, look at what's happening in the world right now. We haven't seen this before. What would you have done the last time we saw this happening before? Now, I'm going to put something in the show notes. I'll put a link to my gold. And if people want to check that out, learn a little bit more, definitely do that. And I'd love to catch up with you again soon, Chris. So thank you again for your time today. I really appreciate it. Darcy, that's great. Thanks. Okay, thanks very much. Chris Howard from MyGold, a precious metals dealer based in Auckland that serves customers all over New Zealand. Some say a one world government is coming with a common currency, and this may be a new type of money, which is backed by gold. Others say gold makes a great date, but a terrible long-term partner, so best to stay away from it. I say you don't have to have these extreme views to hold a small portion of gold in your portfolio. As with Bitcoin, I'd suggest, though, that you seek out some financial advice before you get too serious, and especially advice that you have to pay for. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that episode. Now, this topic today, by the way, was initiated by one of you when you completed the survey, which you can still do, by the way, if you haven't already. Just tell me a little bit about yourself and what you want to hear this year in 2022. A link is in the show notes. You see how that works? Now, at the start of the show, I mentioned that my gold has generously helped me to come up with a competition, and I'm going to run it for the next two weeks. So firstly, here's how to enter. It's simple. In the show notes, you're going to see a link that says, enter the special competition here. It's that simple. Now, what happens if you click on that? Well, you're going to be subscribed to the NZ Everyday Investor newsletter, if you're not already. And you'll be added to the My Gold newsletter. Now, of course, I'd encourage you to unsubscribe anytime, but please only insert one email address if you have multiple. Now, what do you get? Well, MyGold have generously provided a one ounce silver coin to give away to one lucky person. They'll make the prize draw on the 18th of March, but it's not any old coin. They're giving away a St. Helena one ounce Una and the Lion silver coin. It's a strictly limited edition silver proof one ounce coin, and it's presented in a bespoke case. The legend of Una and the Lion dates back to the 16th century and Edmund Spencer's epic medieval poem, The Fairy Queen. I gotta be honest, I've never read it, but if you have, well done. 
So make sure you check out the show notes, enter the competition, be in to win that amazing prize worth currently around $289. So thanks again, My Gold, for offering that up. Check out the show notes, pop in your details, and on the 18th of March, My Gold will reach out to the lucky winner via email. Simple. Okay, that's it for me for this week. Have an awesome one. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening into the NZ Everyday Investor Podcast, a show that's about helping you, the everyday Kiwi, build wealth. To learn more about the show, please visit nzeverydayinvestor.com or visit your show notes on your podcast player. There, you can find out how to make contact, sign up to our free newsletter, and check out previous episodes. The mission of the NZ Everyday Investor is to help increase wealth for the everyday Kiwi. If you'd like to support this effort, then there's a few things you can do. Write a review, comment on social media, or support the show on Patreon and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Before we finish up, just another reminder that what was discussed today is for educational purposes only. Ideally, before acting on anything covered here, please contact your trusted financial advisor and do your own research. Catch you next time.